Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. today. Hey, a pizza with the pastors is exactly what it sounds like. It's eating pizza with the pastors um, and some of our close-knit friends, some of our board members as well. And so we just love the opportunity to get to sit and hang out with you, for you guys to get to know us, for us to get to know you, because we really don't want to just be somebody you see on Sunday. We want to be your pastors, and we want to, man, be with you as you go through life and experience life, and um, we would just love the opportunity to hang out with you. Um, We don't try to sign you up for a bunch of stuff. We don't get you on chain emails and try to sell you a a timeshare or anything like that. Um, It's pressure-free, so we would love to have you um, come hang out with us on our dime, and we have childcare as well. So if you can do it, sign up. It's next Sunday right here. Today we are in a series called Sheep, Voices, and Giants. Sheep, Voices, and Giants is one of my favorite series we've been in. And uh, today we're going to dive right into it. Um, our, Our text is 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4 through 11. And it says this, Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel, and he was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites, why are you all coming out to fight? I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. So choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Now, a lot of times when I read this, I give Saul and the Israelites a lot of grief and call them a bunch of sissies because they're terrified and deeply shaken. Like, no man wants that said about them, right? Like, how'd you handle that spider? I was terrified and deeply shaken. Um, It's not a good description of you. How'd you handle that snake, Justin? I was terrified and deeply shaken. I kind of screamed and danced like a little girl, right? That's not what we want to be described about us. And so whoever is writing this is kind of like taking a look 
little bit of a dig at Adam, but this is the reality, and, and, and rightfully so. When you really think about Goliath, this guy's huge. This guy is nine feet tall, right? I mean, he's huge. I, I don't know if you've ever encountered people that are huge, but it, it, it's, it's intimidating. Um, the, the best giant that I have ever encountered was we were in Fort Lauderdale in Florida, and um, as we are getting on the elevator, it was made apparent that we are staying in the same hotel the Denver Broncos were staying in, and four of the linemen, the offensive linemen, get onto the elevator with us, and I swear the elevator went whoom, right? And they get on, and they are my height or taller, but they've got at least a buck fifty on me. I mean, they're 150 pounds at least, more than I weigh, and they push the button, and I swear it was a knuckle instead of a finger, just like boom. Um, and it was huge, and the doors open to their floor, and it was where all the players were, and they walk out, and I mean, me and Casey and the girls are like, holy cow, these guys are huge, right? I mean, they are massive specimens. I mean, you're just like, yes, sir. You know, they're younger than me. I would still, if they asked me a question, I'd be like, yes, sir. No, sir. I can't make eye contact because you're just too big, right? Like, it's just, like, if I look at you, it's just going to scare me. Anyways, um, and so they were huge. And they got off, and Casey was like, I've never seen someone make you look so small. You're just a little guy. Um, and, and I was like, yeah. I'm like, they're huge, Casey. And here's what I have understood and what I understand when it comes to giants. When it comes to giants that you and I face, man, there's an effect they have in our life. And the giants of your life will always make you feel small. They, they will always make you feel incapable, right? They will intimidate you, and they will overwhelm you. Because if they can get in your head, if they can intimidate, if they can overwhelm, if they can make you feel so limited, then you will never, ever try to fight your giant. And today, that's exactly what I want to talk to you about. How do you fight you're giants, because we all have them. You're all, all, all of us are going to have giants that we face. And what has been made very clear to me is what I consider a giant is not what you would consider a giant. What you consider a giant may not be a giant to me, but we all have giants that you and I are dealing with, and we've got to learn how do you fight against your giants. First thing I would tell us is this, in order to fight your giants, you can't, you don't let one situation become the norm. Don't let one situation become the new reality. Just because it's a situation doesn't mean that it should be your life. It doesn't mean that it should be reality. And this is what happened to the Israelites. First Samuel 17, verse 16, for 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champions strutted in front of the Israelite army. For 40 days... The giant Goliath strutted in front of the Israelite army, and what should have been a moment turned into a new reality for all the Israel army. And for a lot of us, it's become what is our reality. What, what should be a moment has become the norm in our life, and you and I have experienced a giant that is very much like Goliath. It's bullying us. It's bullying our whole life. It's, it's determining our reality. It's changing the way we look at things, the way we 
we talk about things, and it's it's trying to become the new reality that you and I live in. And if you allow a giant to live in your reality long enough, you start changing the verb, and you get a case of the I guess so's. Well, I, I, I guess we're just going to be that couple that doesn't really have a great marriage, that we just struggle along, and we don't really like each other, um, but we're just going to survive instead of thrive. I, I, I guess I'm just going to be that guy who's addicted. I'm going to be that woman who's addicted to painkillers, to, pain to, to prescription medicine, to, to pornography. I, I guess this is because I fought so long, but the giant won't go away. I, I guess this is just who I'm going to be, and you're allowing a giant to bully you around. Some of us, it's, I, I guess so I'm just going to have my kids are just going to be that way and they're going to just behave that way and there's nothing that I can do about it and this is the giant that you are dealing with. I guess I'm just going to be a person that is controlled by fear. I guess this is just going to be the new reality that I'm never going to really try for my dreams because I'm too young, I'm too old, we're always something too much because we have gotten a case of the I guess so's. Some of us, we have allowed the bully to wreak havoc for far too long. You've let your giant dictate a new reality. In ninth grade, which was junior high for me, the last year of junior high, um, I, I was in a still a very awkward place in life. We've talked about this. I had tinted glasses. I had braces with rubber bands all the way around. I had a mullet. I was about the height I am now, but weighed like 150 pounds. And it was just, it was awkward. It was Napoleon Dynamite in real life. I'm like, this is it. You know, this is just how it is. And um, I, I played football. It was my last year to play football. And there was a guy in the locker room, in the football locker room, and my dad's never heard this story, um, named Jamie. And, and I don't want to say his last name in case he's watching, which I don't know why he's watching, but I'm going to look right at the camera. Jamie, if you're watching, you know who you are, bro. Um, And uh, Jamie was my bully. Jamie was probably, he, he looked like a little hobbit, man. He was like two feet tall, um, but man, he was a mean little sucker. And I was so awkward and I had no self-worth that I let this little turd, excuse, I should not say that. Um, I let the, I'm going to get in trouble. Don't say that word, Justin. Anyways, um, I let a little hobbit bully me around for a whole year, torment me. Anytime I I had the bottom locker for some reason, I'm like, really? Do you not? And I would be in the bottom locker and when I'd get up, he'd just slam my head in the locker. When I would get up, he'd just push me up against the locker and be like, you want some more of this? And I'd just like, no, right? And I, I, it, you would be like, what were you doing? Why were you letting that, that wee little boy, right? Bully, why did you let that happen? I don't know. It happened for a full year. It happened my whole ninth grade year. That's why I hated football. I was fairly decent at it, but I hated football because of Jamie. I'm about to say his whole name. About Jamie. He, he absolutely ruined what should have been a different reality. And for a lot of us, we're allowing our giant to bully us around for far too long. And part of the reason is because we don't think we're capable of fighting back. We look at the size of our giant, and we don't have a correct perception of ourselves. And we think, well, I'm I'm just too limited. 
I, I, I'm not capable. I, I, I don't have the giftings. I don't have the abilities. And if you're going to fight your giant, you've got to understand, you've got to work with what you got. Right, right? You've got to work with what you've got. First Samuel 17, verse 37 through 40, it said, Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Right? I love this. You know, I ain't going with you, somebody, but God be with you. Godspeed, young man. Right? Like, God bless your heart. You're crazy. Um, Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. And he said, I can't go in these. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Let me, let me, some of us, we have allowed the souls in our life to dictate how we're going to fight. And instead of using what we've got, we think we've got to fight like other people have fought. And we think, well, I've got to put on, David tried on Saul's armor. He even took a few steps to see if he could do it, if he could be capable of fighting it. And some of you, you've got a giant in your path, and you got to learn to fight like the Lord has equipped you to fight. Stop trying to play to a strength that has never been your strength, and use the tools that God has given you and you brought with you to your valley, and learn to stop trying to copy somebody else's anointing, somebody else's ministry, somebody else's life, somebody else's relationship, the way they recovered from this, somebody else's kids. And man, work with what you got. Allow the Lord to to use you instead of you trying to be somebody else. Because I'm telling you this, you will always be the best version of you, but a really horrible version of someone else. And God's saying, man, if you can just use what you got, if you can stop going around in somebody else's else's armor and wishing you had somebody else's talent, then I can use you and you can make an effect against the giants in your life. Some of us are just wishing we were like somebody else all the time. Well, I wish I had this ability. I wish I had this financial situation going on. I wish I had this marriage. I wish, man, I I talk about this all the time, but Shannon Dalrymple is one of the most freaking nature talented people in the world and I hate it, right? Guy can play the keyboard, he can play the drums, he can, he can play guitar, he can play the stinking accordion. No lie, who plays the accordion? Shannon Dalrymple does. Great, Shannon. Cool, real awesome. He can build things, he can read. I'm like, at least, like, at least if you can all this, do all this stuff, maybe you're dumb, but he can even read. I'm like, dang it, give me something. He's, and I'm just like, bro. And I got to tell you, there's not a lot of tools up here. <laughs> there's one tool. Oh, there's a tool. All right, Justin, you're the tool. Uh, here's the deal. There's not a lot. I mean, my ability, you're seeing it, man. I can't build stuff. You don't want to hear me sing. You don't want to see me even try to play. I can play the little dump, 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 dump on the piano. That's it. You know, I got kicked out of band my eighth grade year for playing the trombone. Just awful, awful awful things. But you know what? I don't try to fight like Shannon. I don't try to become like Shannon because Shannon's the best version of Shannon. 
David was the best version of David, and he stripped off what other people wanted to make him into and decided, man, I I can't do this because this isn't me. I know me, so I'm going to go to the stream, and I'm going to go after my giant with my sling and my staff because I know how to fight like that. And some of you, you got to stop trying to fight like your parents did, like your mentor did, and you got to learn to find your fighting style. You got to stop letting everybody else call the shots. You got to stop allowing everybody else to tell you how to fight your battle and you got to work with what God gave you work with what you got and use it for the glory of God if you're going to defeat your giants I got to tell you the second thing is you've got to stop waiting till you want to and just be willing man this is a huge point a lot of us are sitting and we're just like well God I I just don't want to do that right Look, I'm just, I'm not sure if I, 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 I'm just not feeling it, right? I'm just not, I'm not feeling that yet, God. I'm just, I just don't, I'm not quite there. I tell you, there is a vast difference between wanting to do something and being willing to do something. Boy, there's a, there's a big difference. And if you can get past being a slave to your wants, and being allowing want to dictate all your emotions and your emotions dictating your actions because they're all a slave to want. And you can grow up and come to a place where God, I may not want to, but I'm willing to. Man, God can use that. Man, there, there's something that now, we're, you know, it's like my grandma used to say, now we're cooking with grease. You know what I'm saying? Like now we got something here because you are more about development than feelings. You're more about being used than being discovered. I, I can use something like that. All the, all the Israelites, the army of the Israel, they had the opportunity to go after Goliath, but none of them wanted to go fight Goliath. But you had a young shepherd boy that was willing to. And your, 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 your giants, man, they're always going to want to make you listen to your wants instead of coming to the place of being willing. When we started Foundations Church, I was pumped. I was excited. I was ready to go. And we had just gotten out of a really hurtful situation. Um, ministry was hard the first 10 years. Pastors had hurt us. Um, When you left churches, you just left. You didn't get to talk to them. You didn't get to keep any sort of relationship with people. And and, and Casey just came to a place where she was done. She's like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And we're sitting in our house. Our house is up for sale. We don't know where we're going to move. We don't don't know anything. We just know we can't stay in our house because we can't afford it any longer. And and we're sitting there. And Casey goes, what are are we going to do, Justin? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm the wrong person to ask that question to ever, because I'm going to say something either really stupid or crazy. Work with what you got, right? And so, Casey goes, what are we going to do? I'm like, we're going to start a church, Casey. With, with, and she asked all these questions that I had no answers to. I was just like, I don't know. 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 But I know what we're going to do. We're going to go start a church. And she's like, I'm not, you can go start that church by yourself. I'm not going. I'm done, right? I, I don't want to. And you know what? I didn't force, I didn't say, you're going, woman, I am the man of this house. <laughs> no, that don't ever happen in the Graves house. I just left it. I was like, okay, we'll see. And I just kind of smirked at her and was like, mm-hmm, yep, start a church. We're going to start a church. And you know what happened? She spent time praying. 
She spent time alone with the Lord. She goes, Justin, I, I, it's the closest that I've ever heard an audible voice of the Lord speak to me. He just said, if you'll be willing, I'll take care of the rest. She didn't want to because she was hurt. She didn't want to because she was scared. She didn't want to because she was anxious. But if you'll just be willing, man, he took care of the rest. And so many times we feel like it's up to our ability. It's really up to what can we do when it's just simply if you will be willing. Right? David was just, the Lord's the one that defeated Goliath. It wasn't David in his own town and ability that defeated Goliath. It was the Lord through David that defeated Goliath. He just was a willing vessel to do something that nobody else would do. And if you can come to a place where you're just willing to do what others won't, and you'll go, go willingly go after your giants that have paralyzed you and have bullied you for long enough, man, God can use you and do something in you and through you. Let me give you two things that being willing over wanting does. The first thing is it runs towards instead of away. Being willing runs towards the giant instead of away from the giant. First Samuel 17, 45 through 48. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. I love the, this verse. It's the best smack talk. It's like I need Gandalf from Lord of the Rings to read this right now. He says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. He starts talking trash to the whole other army. Like, I got something for you and you and you and you. You know, he just starts going after it. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord says saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. It's not about, I'm going to do something great, and he will give all of you into our hands. As a Philistine moved closer to attack him, I love, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Can I, being willing over being wanting makes you run towards instead of away. So many of us, we've been running away from the calling and the ministry that God is calling us into that you just don't remember the last time you went and, you went and chased after the calling and the dreams that God has put inside of your life. You've got giants, you've got things that are bullying you and you don't know what to do. I gotta, you gotta come to a place where you're willing and you're willing to run towards instead of away because the miracle happens when you start running towards it instead of away from it. Otherwise, otherwise, you're just delaying what God wants to do. Man, run towards, the be willing to run towards the giant. And we're going to talk about this next week. And I got to tell you, one of my friends and me, we're talking about this. Probably the biggest thing keeping you from running is being comfortable. And we're going to talk about it next week. But, but man, some of you, you need to reawaken the kid, and I'm about to get all up into my next week's message. The second thing I would tell you is don't, man, being willing over wanting doesn't wait for life to be free of giants. Doesn't wait till the coast is clear, right? We, we, we want a sure thing, don't we? We want, well, I, I have worked the numbers, <laughs> And if we do this, we have an 80% success. I'll take those odds, God. God doesn't work that way. 
He, he doesn't wait for the coast to be clear. He calls you in when it's all crazy, right? You know, you know what? Waiting till the coast to be clear, waiting till your, the, the, your life is free of giants does, it delays what God wants to do. It does. Don't believe me? Look at the Israelites wandering through the desert, and God says, hey, this is your land to go and possess. And they sent the 12 spies, the 12 Navy SEALs from Israelites into the land to spy it, check it out, bring back fruit, bring back like all this stuff, and, and, show, and they're like, dude, this land is awesome. This is incredible. Man, you, we got to check. This would be so awesome. But, but, what was in the land? Giants. But there's giants in the land. And we're not ready for that. We, we, I, I'm just not ready. And I just don't know if our nation is ready to face giants. You will never, you'll never be ready to face your giants. You'll never just, man, I, I can't wait to do something crazy, right? I can't wait to keep taking. It sounds great to take steps of faith until you have to take the steps of faith. Because steps of faith always contain a level of risk. Right? And when nobody likes to take a risk, we like a sure thing. Like, hey, I'm going to invite you to take a step. And when you step, I don't know if you're going to, like, keep standing or if you're going to fall. Nobody's going to take me up on that, right? They're like, no, I want to know. That I'm gonna, and, and we want our, our Savior, we want our God to be a helicopter instead of an anchor. We want him to come hover in and pick us up out of our situation where the giants and the enemy is all around us and surrounding us and come and land us like the Coast Guard into a safe place. But that's not how it works. He works as an anchor. What an anchor does? An anchor stays there in the storm and it stabilizes and secures you. Even when the storm's raging, even when everything, and that's what your Savior wants. He wants to stabilize you, and He wants to secure you. He doesn't want to just pick you up out of the battlefield while giants are surrounding you and situate. Man, He wants to use you. Check out what it says in, in Psalms chapter 23, verse 5. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence, not in the absence of my enemies, in the presence, when my enemies are all around me, when my, my, my enemies are surrounding me, you are so good and still in such control that in the presence of my enemies, you provide provision. And it's a table for me and for you. Not for my giants, not for my enemies. You prepare a table before my enemies. That's the God you serve. Man, if you're going to fight your giants, man, you got to learn. Stop waiting for the coast to be clear. And start running at your giants. Well, Justin, I, I hear everything you're saying. But I, but I need like a tool, right? Like, like if I'm going in a fight, David had a sling. What you got? Like you telling me strategies, but what, well, what do you have? Because I need like a magic hammer, like fix it Felix or Thor, right? Like I need something that's going to happen that's going to make a difference. I, I got news for you. There's not a magical verse that's going to take your giant down. There's not. If you go through this Bible study for four weeks, four weeks of studying how to defeat your giants, it's going to make you defeat your giants. But what I will tell you is this. It's our third point. You've got to learn the art of the turnaround. You got to learn the art of the turnaround. And our band's coming up, so I need you guys to pay attention. They're going to lead us in a song in just a second, so don't leave early. 
But, but listen to me. You've got to learn the art of the turnaround. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 50 says, So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. He didn't even come into the fight with a sword, right? Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath, and David used it to kill him and cut off his head. The, check this out. The very thing that Goliath brought into the battlefield to kill David with, David used what the enemy meant to harm him to decapitate his enemy. And can I tell you, this is how the Lord works so many times. He takes what your enemy meant to harm you and bring a testimony and bring provision and bring your story out of. Man, Joseph understood this. His brother sold him into slavery. He was in Potiphar's house. His Potiphar's wife accused him of rape. He was thrown into jail. And all of a sudden, the whole situation that was going on, is, he says this in, in Genesis 50. It says, as far as I'm concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil, for he brought me to this high position I have today so that I could save the lives of many people. Jesus understood this. The Roman Empire, the, the, the symbol for torture and punishment and death was the cross. And yet people wear the cross now around their neck. And it doesn't stand for death and it doesn't stand for torture, but it stands for redemption. It stands for grace. It stands for victory because God is the God of the turnaround. And can I tell you this morning, you may be dealing with things that your enemy's trying to take you out with, but if you will allow God, he will take what your enemy meant to destroy destroy you with the fear, the temptation, the addiction, the marriage, the relationships, and he can bring a story out of it, a testimony and a purpose out of it that doesn't just affect your life, but it affects the lives of everyone you're around. Listen to me. Jamie Goodell, 10th grade year. I just said his last name. Jamie, it's 10th grade year. We're at, we're at basketball tryouts, beginning of the year. Jamie's still two foot. I'm still my height. But there was a transformation that happened. I got my hair cut. I got my glasses off and got contacts. I got my braces off. I was a brand new man. But even more so, I had a spiritual awakening that summer. And what I talked about last week, oh, I know you're not talking to me like that. I knew who I was. I knew my role. I knew my purpose and my value. And we had basketball tryouts. Jamie's there. I've got a breakaway layup. I, was, I would love to say dunk, but I'm on stage and I can't lie. I had a breakaway layup. I go up and Jamie takes my legs out. I land on my head and my neck. And something finally snapped. I picked that little sucker up. I grabbed him. I threw. I ran him like this. Little feet dangling. I slammed him into the pads. I slammed him to the ground. And I, bam, bam, bam. My coaches are pulling me off all this. Here's what happened. Jamie never bothered me again. He didn't slam a locker in my head. Nothing ever happened to me again. Jamie did not bother me. And there's something that needs to happen in you and me that something snaps, something occurs that you realize, man, I got something inside of me that is greater than what I'm facing. I understand my role. I understand what's happening. And if God is for me, man, who can be against me today? It doesn't matter the giant. It doesn't matter the situation. Get in the fight and realize God is capable. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to stand across this place. The reason I think David was able to take Goliath down is for 40 days he was in his pasture preparation, focusing on his Savior instead of the problem. 40 days. 
allied armies were focusing on the problem instead of the Savior, right? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to declare our truth of who our God is and our solution that it's by Jesus Christ, the blood that was shed and him raising on the third day, that my giants fall down. It's not about your ability. It's about your availability. It's not about you wanting. It's about you willing. And I hope this right here will be a moment that something snaps, something occurs, something gets up in your spirit as you declare this song over your situation and that there would be a roar of worship that would happen in this place. Let's sing this song. Let's declare this song because he's good. He's got great things for you. Come on, sing. Psalm 16, verse 8. David said this, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. You need a mantra? You need a war cry? This is it. Psalm 16, 8. With, I keep my eyes on the Lord. I will always keep my eyes on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Romans 8, 31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Man, keep your eyes on who is control of your world. Do not let your giants bully you. Do not let them intimidate you. Do not let them stall you, but realize who you are and who you serve. If God is for you, man, it doesn't matter what you're against. It doesn't matter what you're surrounded by. Because you're surrounded by his presence, by his goodness that goes before you and behind you and around you, man. If God is for you, who can be against you? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you are doing, for what you are doing in our lives. And God, I pray that in this place this morning, there would be an awakening in us. God, to just use what you have put inside of us. God, to stop waiting till we want to do what you're calling us to and just be willing to do it. To run at instead of away. God, Jesus, just to make the most of what you are doing and what you have equipped us with. Lord, I pray that giants would fall. I pray situations would fall. Lord Jesus, walls would fall in their lives and in, in, their, in their circumstances. God, I pray that whatever they're facing, they would realize if God is for me, if I want what God wants for the reason God wants it, I'm unstoppable and I'm unbeatable. If God is for me, who can be against me? Lord, we give you the glory and the praise. It's in Jesus' wonderful name we ask. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this place? Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.